Welcome to the Biker's live show. My name is Teemu Arena. Today's guest was supposed to be Hannu Kinunen from Aura, but we actually rescheduled that for Monday. And instead of that, we're going to be having a deep dive into the ketogenic diet and how to become not bulletproof, but un- anti-fragile <laughs> with Seamland. And uh, so if you want to join in, you can use the hashtag BiohackersLive on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, wherever you are. And also on our Facebook page, there is the live stream. So you can jump in uh, on the Biker Summit channel and ask any questions you like. So the Facebook will be the channel tonight for discussions and uh, any questions that you have. The show notes will be available afterwards at biohack.to seam. When we are streaming this live, it's not going to be available yet, but it's going to be after this uh, show. So with that, uh, who's our guest today? Seam Lund. If you've been following the Bakker's live shows, you know that he's the man who has been making these short, hilarious Bakker's report videos on different topics. And today we will actually go deeper into his topic of specialty that his YouTube channel is full of excellent, great videos. So it will be all about ketogenic diet and how to have boundless energy and how to really look at food from a completely new perspective. So he's exciting uh, to to talk about every all the time. I was uh, speaking with him in Riga in Latvia in the first biohacker uh, conference that they organized and his presentation on this topic was super fascinating uh seamland is also going to be at the uh biker summit next week in stockholm so with that uh let's bring our Hey, Olli. Hello, what's up? What's up? Yeah, so Olli, the medical doctor behind the Biker's Handbook, is also joining the show. So how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific. Uh, I've been the whole week in my summer clinics, and I've been getting a lot of sun and a lot of cold exposure and swimming in the lake and couldn't be better. So I'm totally rejuvenated from from perhaps uh, an immense stress while putting together the web course. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've been working on a course on, on, on basically how to optimize everything that comes to all the micronutrients that you get into your body. And this course is in Finnish, unfortunately. So um, if you're in Finland, you can find that um, from our uh, websites, Ravitsemustila Kuntoon is the name, basically how to fix your nutritional status. Yeah. And, uh, but we're definitely going to work on an English version of that that one later this year. Yeah, that's for sure. That's, that's going to be alongside with the Biohackers Handbook. It's going to also be printed out in, in English. So tune in for that. Yeah. Okay, let's tune in to see him. Uh, how are you doing, man? I'm doing amazing as well. Also going through this kind of a period of more exposure to sunlight and uh, de-stressing after some t- on some time of hustling hard and preparing myself for optimal performance in, in the coming few weeks as well. 
Yeah, yeah. I've been through a lot of things uh, in the last couple of weeks. The joke that goes around in in the Biker Summit circles, the people who work on it, is basically that the unhealthiest thing that you can do is actually to organize a health conference. So I haven't got that much sleep. Well, I have to say that I've got like borderline seven hours, so usually like six and a half or something like this, but not like the full eight that I would love to get. And uh, definitely my sleep timing has been late also, so crunching as long as I can and then just, you know, pass out. And that's 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 what it's all about. So I'm really looking forward to the excellent program that we have coming up. There is 27, 27 speakers uh, coming to the Bakker Summit, and uh, Simland is one of them. Anu Kinunen is one of them. Elsa Sotiriadis is one of them. Yeah, we have also uh, Greg Potter, who had a we had a really excellent discussion recently on uh, sleep and how to optimize that he's going to be there as well and um yeah uh and and i mean all of us are going to be there anyway anyone who is into parking should be there because the bulletproof conference is not going to be organized this year and uh that's a really good excuse to come over to europe <laughs> and check out the the, the conference of the year if you're into biohacking come on check you know. some check out some real biohacking or <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> check out some real biohacking we have some real real fundamental stuff going on there we have really awesome side events also the upgrade offside upgrade dinner and yeah the foraging trip to learn everything about medicinal plants and how to use them and how to ferment your own foods and it's going to be excellent so um seem talking about food talking about diets what got you interested in all of this? I mean, you've been specializing on the ketogenic diet recently, but I mean, what got you into biohacking? Well, essentially, like, uh, I feel like I've always been kind of curious about human nature, what it means to be human. And uh, also, I've been wanting to improve myself always, uh, ever since I remember, to try to become better, smarter, stronger, faster. Uh, you know all those good things <laughs> and uh, then I during my teenager years I got into weightlifting started training and uh, from on there you, you kind of try to optimize not only your physical performance but you, you look at you know your nutrition your sleep those all kinds of things because they're also you know they're vital for your overall strength development and uh, things like that so if you neglect you know good nutrition or if you don't sleep enough then you're going to waste you're, not, you're wasting the, the opportunity to you know build muscle or burn fat whatever it may be so it's always like an integral integrated holistic approach and uh, yeah what got me interested in biohacking in particular was probably like you know i started listening to bulletproof radio i started listening to ben greenfield ben greenfield and uh, yeah it kind of went into this deep rabbit hole of you know searching researching different topics especially at first it was like paleo and uh mm. yeah like and, and then i kind of stumbled upon the keto diet tried it out I, at first i was simply doing it as an experiment because i was still kind of you know you you think like oh no i'm gonna lose my all my muscle if i don't eat carbs and i'm gonna lose my strength and stuff like that but uh, then i, I kind of wanted to know you know there's so many research about the other health benefits of how it improves your cognition and uh overall met metabolism and blood sugar levels and i was like okay it's going to be a short-term thing. You know, I'm going to simply try it out mm. and see what happens. But it turned out, you know, like after after a few months or so, 
I was feeling phenomenal and uh, I haven't decided, I haven't wanted to go back ever since. So that's, that's what I've been doing. Mm. Wow. Wow. That might be the secret behind the fact that you are cranking out a lot of content on your YouTube channel. <laughs> it's, it's amazing stuff that you have over there. So uh, actually, I, I'm suggesting that we, we take a look at, look at one of your videos on, on uh, keto, keto stuff, if you, if you don't mind. Are you battling with weight loss? Can't keep those love handles at bay? Or can't you lose those extra few inches? You know, there are reasons why you can't just melt off body fat, but maybe you can. In this video, I'm going to explain you how you can melt off body fat like butter with butter. Okay, let's start off by looking at how your body melts off its own fat. Our adipose tissue stores fat in the form of triglycerides. To melt fat off your body, you have to first quote-unquote release it. This happens from a process called lipolysis, which breaks down those triglycerides into glycerol and free fatty acids or FFAs. Lipolysis gets triggered by hormones like glucagon, epinephrine, norepinephrine, ghrelin, growth hormone, testosterone, and cortisol. Glucagon is the counterpart of insulin that rises when our blood sugar levels are low. It makes the liver convert stored glycogen into glucose and increase free fatty acid utilization. The key hormone when it comes to body composition is insulin, which regulates the storage and distribution of nutrients. If it's constantly elevated, then we won't be able to burn fat and will actually be more prone to depositing it. Insulin gets released in response to rising blood sugar levels so that it could bring it down to normal. This happens by consuming high amounts of carbohydrates, very little by lean protein and not at all by fat. High carb diets make lipase, the enzyme involved in breaking down body fat, almost completely inactive. By triggering insulin, you put the halt to burning fat for the rest of the day and possibly even the next one to come. Therefore, the secret to melting of body fat is to keep insulin levels low and restrict carbohydrate intake. And the ability to melt off body fat and use it for fuel isn't useful only for battling obesity or some illnesses. It's not about just weight loss, but it's a very useful nutritional trick. The difference between burning sugar and burning fat is that you'll be using your own adipose tissue and you'll gain more energy from it. When your liver glycogen stores get depleted, you increase glucagon and lipolysis by starting to produce more ketone bodies. After a while you enter a state of nutritional ketosis in which you're using your own body fat for fuel instead of glucose. This can happen after fasting for two to three days or by following a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet. When you're in ketosis you'll be literally taking your own body fat and converting it into energy. To lose weight you would still have to be in a negative energy balance but this is so easy to do on a ketogenic diet. Eating fat triggers a hormone called CKK which tells your body that you're full. It gives the brain immense amounts of long-lasting energy and keeps it satiated. The foods eaten on a ketogenic diet are based on primarily fat, moderate protein and virtually zero net carbohydrates. This will prime your metabolic machinery to preferring fat and ketones for fuel. But isn't fat unhealthy? Definitely not. Saturated fat and cholesterol have been villainized for decades, but all in vain. They're essential nutrients for healthy cell membrane, cognitive performance and hormone production. Cholesterol is produced by your body every single day and it's mostly comprised in the brain. When you're in ketosis, your biochemistry will be completely altered. You'll be using that saturated fat for fuel instead of clogging your arteries with it. Fat is unhealthy and dangerous only when eaten with high amounts of carbohydrates and sugar. And of course, vegetable oils and trans fats are more inflammatory than butter or coconut oil. Evil!
as you can remember, the hormones that trigger lipolysis are all dependent of the consumption of fat. The best testosterone boosting foods are high in cholesterol and fat such as eggs, red meat, fish and butter. Another satiety hormone is ghrelin which won't get released in the presence of CKK. In one gram of fat there are 9 calories, whereas one gram of carbohydrates or protein has only 4, less than half the amount. So of course it's easy to presume that eating more fat makes you fat. But it's also easy to make false presumptions based on that. High carb low fat diets with no fiber can lead to leptin resistance. You can eat copious amounts of sugar without even feeling like you've eaten something. The signal that you've received enough calories disappears into the void and gets silenced by your subconscious mind whose motivations urge you to keep on eating because your brain is starving. Now eat a tablespoon of salted butter or coconut oil and you won't get any cravings whatsoever. You'll light up your taste buds and feel amazing but you won't enter this vicious cycle of wanting to get more and more. Fat feeds your brain and keeps it nourished. The foods eaten on a ketogenic diet will keep you satiated and extremely satisfied. Protein, fibrous leafy green vegetables and healthy fats will give you more energy and keep you full. But for me, the ketogenic diet isn't about losing weight or staying ripped or anything like that. It puts you into a fat burning mode by default. Ketones are premium quality jet fuel that give you more energy than sugar does. They also have great performance enhancing benefits for both your muscles and cognition. If you want to melt of fat fast and easily, then keto is the way to go. But it shouldn't be your main reasons for trying it out. The ketogenic diet shouldn't be a quick fix. It should be done as a long-term thing because you'll reap all the benefits of proper keto adaptation after several months. If you want to learn more about the ketogenic diet and how to start it the easy way, then check out my book called Simple Keto. But if you're already doing the ketogenic diet and want to take it to the next level, then get my Keto IF program that combines the ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting. Thanks for watching, make sure you click the like, subscribe, notification bell as well. My name is Seem, stay burning fat, stay empowered. Awesome, stay burning fat, stay empowered. So, um, I mean, isn't it a bit paradoxical that you can basically eat as much fat as you like to burn the fat, burn the love handles around you? So, so like, why, why now? Like, why not like 10, 20 years ago when they were all about low fat, that low fat is going to kill you? Why right now there is all this discussion about high fat suddenly? I think like, well, part of it has to do with, you know, these uh, biased research that was done in the, a few decades ago, especially like people like Ansel Keys who deliberately misconstrued their studies or misinterpreted their studies where they correlated high fat consumption with heart heart disease but uh, the, those those studies were taken completely out of context and you could have easily drawn the similar similar you know uh, findings by correlating the data with you know increased shoe size or something like that so yeah like basically the reason why people think you know the fat fat is bad is that it's so taken out of context. Of course, if you consume like these highly processed fats like trans fats and omega three or omega six oils, then they may become you know inflammatory, and that there's that's where the problem lies. But uh, yeah, if you consume like if you consume fat in a state of let's say low low blood sugar and uh, low glycogen as well, then it's going to have like a completely different effect on your body, and it's a it's a more natural state for our body to be in to be in a less less uh, inflamed state and to not be kind of kind of have 
to experience lower levels of incident also mm. so it's also right like a matter of context yeah what do you think only on this i mean you've been digging into some of the biochemistry of it yeah the the problem is that uh, when you speak about certain like macronutrients so is, is carbohydrates good or bad or is fat good or bad and etc uh, they miss the whole point of, of the physiology and the biochemistry what's happening inside the body so of course if you have high insulin and you eat uh, high amounts of carbs and then you add high amounts of fats you're gonna get fat and it's gonna cause inflammation but the situation changes dramatically when you cut down or like severely lower your carbohydrate and sugar intake and then your body is gonna turn more into burning fat and more into producing ketone bodies and more, more into more uh, efficient on on that biochemistry or that biochemical pathways so we all have these energetic pathways inside us it just depends on what we feed to us so the problem here is having high amounts of bad quality fat and at the same time high spiking insulin insulinogenic foods that's really going to cause the problem so we have to look this uh not just fat versus carbs but the quality of fat and the, the frame the time of the day and how how, how you manage how, when do you eat fat when do you eat carbs so so there, there are a lot of uh nuances where we can Twelve into this conversation, if you want. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so one of the key ideas here is that it might be uh, healthier uh, from the standpoint that you are not spiking your blood sugar on a constant basis. That can then lead into insulin resistance. So, with fats, you will have a much kind of stable source of energy, and it looks like more like more like having a huge log on a fireplace instead of just like throwing gasoline into the fire what sugar seems to be uh so what do you think seem it's it's also like uh what kind of a signal are you sending into your your body and uh, what kind of receptors you're activating you know if insulin is one of the key hormones in uh choosing what, what kind of nutrition or what kind of fuel you're going to burn then it's also important to use it only in certain circumstances and to make sure that uh, you're gonna use it to your advantage because insulin is very powerful it's an anabolic hormone and uh, whenever insulin is, insulin is elevated then you're more prone to storing it's a it's a storage hormone and it's used it, it can be used you know to shuttle nutrients into cells but the problem is that if those cells are already full then that insulin is only going to lead to an excess and uh, it's going to overspill that fuel and that's going to cause you know insulin resistance your pancreas is going to start pumping out more insulin to to get the blood sugar out of your bloodstream but because of the cells they're already full then uh, it's going to actually be you, it's going yeah, it's going to develop you know, like insulin resistance resistance and it can lead to like diabetes and stuff like that so it's very always a matter of context because most of the day most of the time you're not in a state where your body needs carbohydrates or where you need insulin to shuttle nutrients into your cells you only need insulin when when uh, your glycogen stores are very empty and uh, you need to like replenish them right right so um uh, what else can you add only on 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 this story when it comes to these signal molecules 
Well, yeah, the, the cells are, are full and also the receptors are not responsive. So that, that's always the case when you have too much of something and, and the signals that are like overflowing the cells, they are not simply like responsive for that. The same thing uh, happens with uh, if you have too, mu too much of uh, cortisol, so you get this glucocorticoid receptor resistance. So that's similar to insulin resistance. And most people have like those two combined. So you're both insulin and both cortisol resistant, and you're going to have both high cortisol and high insulin, and they're going to feed each other. And it's, it's like this vicious cycle. So you have to also take care of your stress management if you want to control your insulin. So they're always tied together. Cortisol right. raises insulin as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's called uh, GCR. It's glucocorticoid. Uh, no, no. GR. Uh, well, or something like that. It, glucocorticoid receptor resistance. So mm -hmm. I don't uh, remember what's what's the exact uh, abbreviation for that. But there's quite a bit of study on on that. So it's a hugely inter interesting topic on this matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, stress and cortisol, they can actually inhibit keto adaptation as well because. Yeah. If you if you are in a stressed out state, you're you're breaking down the liver glycogen, and that glycogen is going to be released into your bloodstream, which is going to elevate insulin and stuff like that. So usually, mm. a lot of uh, in many cases when people fail to keto adapt or get into ketosis, is because they're experiencing too much stress from I don't I don't know maybe not yeah. sleeping enough, exercising too hard, or being you know stressed out in general. So that's a huge issue as well. So it's not just hormones. Mm. It's not just calories, or it's not just calories in, calories out. There's this massive hormonal, <laughs> hormonal milieu taking yeah. place in the background. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually digging out some charts that we can, we can maybe take a look at here. Uh, so, cool. so here, I, here, I got some, some, some charts about the, the glycemic index and the insulin, ins, insulin index as well. So. Looking at the blood sugar control here, uh, so so when your blood sugar starts to drop, uh, your body signals that you need food. Then you eat something, you eat something sugary. Uh, it spikes, uh, it spikes your blood sugar levels. Then you get a release of insulin that basically crashes your blood sugar levels. Uh, you feel hungry again. You feel tired, maybe depressed, and then you eat more. You snack more. It spikes your blood sugar. You feel amazing for a second. Then suddenly insulin kicks in and it goes into this roller coaster. Now many people go through through a day like this if they start their mornings with a lot of uh, carbohydrates like uh, orange juice and some white bread or something like this. They they will go into this cycle. Now you can switch those um, foods into some uh, into foods that are not spiking blood sugar as as heavily. Uh, even even going from like orange juice to something like pasta would actually slow down the 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 spike of blood sugar level so you get slightly more stable increase uh and and stable uh decrease also once insulin is released and and then when you go for more uh, uh fibrous foods uh you go for legumes and so on then then it's it's even even more flat and if if we had a picture of something like um uh, a fat as a fuel like butter or something it would be almost flat uh so um here is a chart on on the different foods and their 
the way how they they spike uh, glucose levels. So there's this uh, uh, this, this uh, um, uh, index, uh, the, the the glucose score here, uh, that that basically tells you about how quickly it rises blood sugar comp co compared to table sugar. So white bread is is kind of around uh, the same amount of spiking uh, as 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 taking sugar directly but if you take something like uh, potato chips actually it will be lower uh, now looking at the insulin score uh, so basically the glucose uh, is is not the whole story so so insulin release is also kind of key and how how quickly that kicks in if you look at something like yogurt the glucose score is is quite low it's 62 but the insulin score is super high it's 115 so basically um, these these milk products often have very high insulin score um, so, so they will help you to crash your blood sugar if you really want that, uh, by, by having a glass of milk or, or some yogurt or, or something like this. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy how to think about, you know, uh, the main mainstream, uh, healthy quote unquote breakfast that people are said to be, have to eating is like, you know, whole grain cereal, some milk, some yogurt, maybe some bananas, fruit, and, uh, you know, high amounts of carbs some dairy products and little to no fat or protein. So you're basically setting yourself self up for a huge, massive sugar crash. And it's quite a crazy that your, your body actually would thrive on, on a, on a completely different state because when you wake up in the morning, then you've been fasting all night and you're in a prime fat burning state. You're not in ketosis entirely, but you know, you're at least your liver glycogen stores have been slightly depleted. Your blood sugar levels are also low. And, you know, you in the morning, you're elevating cortisol, which is going to prime yourself to be starting to burn fat more. Cortisol is good in the morning because it's going to wake you up and it's going to rev up your metabolism, give you an energy and stuff like that. So in the morning, you're breaking down liver glycogen, you're starting to produce more ketone bodies. And the only thing that is going to inhibit that is going to eat, you know, these whole grain cereals with milk and stuff like that. So you're basically putting a huge, massive stop on all these fat burning mecha mechanisms that, uh, that you're going through in the morning. So the, the best thing would be, the worst thing is to, you know, consume these whole grain cereals. And the best thing would be to kind of skip or to at least prolong your breakfast at least a few hours to take advantage of this short time window where you're so where you're so geared towards burning fat and to take advantage of this short little boost. And it's kind of crazy that we're told to do the opposite. Mm. How, how do you only personally take advantage of, of uh, information like this? Personally, I do everyday intermittent fasting. So I, uh, I've noticed that ever since I began implementing this, I've been more productive. My uh, energy levels and mood is more stable. So uh, the, the morning is the best, best and easiest way to skip a meal if you, if you were to skip a meal. So, so the main thing is, uh, for me is uh, like stable energy regulation and stable mood. So I've noticed that if I break the fast and I, I, eat something that's too insulinogenic it's gonna begin the roller coaster hmm. even even like protein if if i don't get like enough sati satiety and just just like a slow slow spike of insulin then it's gonna i would say not not ruin but it's it's gonna uh, severely like compensate the benefits of that so 
Yeah, yeah. Personally, what I'm doing is I'm often starting my morning with a high protein, high fat kind of uh, breakfast, basically an egg and some. So, mm. Some I used to have a lot of butter coffee, but now I've switched over to butter matcha. Uh, so what I'm drinking mm. right now is actually mm. matcha tea, which is a highly concentrated form of green tea and uh, some fats. And I like to use coconut milk in this one and uh, maybe some goat goat butter. Goat butter is awesome in it as well and uh that's, that's going to have like a massive you know prolonged energy release as well like green yeah. tea is already richer in uh, l-theanine which is going to slow down the release of caffeine as well and if you add some fats then i would imagine that's going to last like entire day almost yes yeah. absolutely i mean um when i switched over from coffee to this one i noticed that i have much stable um also mental focus into what i'm doing with coffee i might be too hyper like too kind of overstimulated sometimes although the butter does slow down that effect so the two tricks that i deploy nowadays is is basically this matcha latte and uh, if i take coffee or caffeine i'm using coffee pixels they're one of the exhibitors at the biker summit in uh, stockholm so basically i'm microdosing on coffee so i'm taking like mm-hmm. two two milligrams of coffee uh, like occasionally, and uh, one of the founders said that the, they did a study in the U.S. military on on coffee consumption, and the people who were sipping coffee, like just taking a little amount of coffee over a long period of time, uh, they performed better uh, at different tasks compared to the ones who were, you know, uh, drowning themselves in coffee, drinking the whole cup yeah. at once. So, so that's another thing about all, all these beverages is kind of time it in a proper way so that it really supports your um, biochemistry and your biology to perform at its best. So in terms of energy levels, this definitely yeah. takes the hunger away. And then when it comes to the stimulating aspect, the theanine is great as on the ba- uh, behind you know, all, all those processes. And then when you throw in just like microdosing coffee throughout the day, that's awesome. I love it. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's my experience with, with it. Uh, actually, uh, that's how this uh, nutrition web course is also written. I've been like extremely productive. I've been like writing five to ten pages per day and skimming through like a nearly 900 uh, references. So I've been microdosing coffee. I, I do this uh, very rich butter coffee with some also some raw cacao and uh, quite a bit of uh, caprolic acid. So I, mm. I drink it uh, in a period of eight hours. Mm. So, so I just pour warm water when it gets cold, and uh, that's that's uh, been hugely beneficial. If I would um, drink like a coffee straight away, I would get like too much of hyper, uh, yeah, yeah, hyper, hyper vigilance. Yeah, too much, too much caffeine can yeah, spike insulin as well, or yeah, raise yeah. cortisol to the point. Yeah, that's that's my experience too, and it might actually ruin uh, the benefits of of ketosis. Uh, of course, fasting, you're not to- totally fasted if you drink this kind of uh, beverage, but um, you have to... Semi-fasted. Semi-fasted. Se- semi-fasted and definitely, definitely in ketosis. <laughs> Another yeah, thing yeah. that I like to microdose on is chocolate. So I'm yeah. <laughs> biting away like small piece of chocolate throughout the day, like very high quality raw raw cacao uh, and uh, yeah. uh, as... as, as 
as dark as possible and that's that's really awesome so uh seeing uh kind of going into your tricks like um for someone who hasn't tried like this type of diet or done even intermittent fasting or even cyclical ketosis so cyclical ketosis is where you are cycling in and out carbohydrates i do cyclical ketosis by having my carbohydrates in the evening and um i enjoy the benefits throughout the day and i'm kickstarting my uh, my 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 uh, ketone production by using MCT oil in the morning. So, so so what's your take on kind of timing on these things and uh, cyclical versus being ketosis all the time? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's a very good strategy in the sense uh, that if if you were ever to consume carbohydrates, then the best time would be to do it in the evening, uh, because you know if you skip, like we mentioned earlier, if you skip this time window in the morning where you would spike your insulin and you would stay in this fat burning ketogenic state then uh, basically you're going to be burning most of the most of the most of the day you're going to be burning like some uh, ketones and fat for fuel which is going to improve your insulin sensitivity and it's going to deplete your liver glycogen more and if you eat carbohydrates at night with empty glycogen stores then most of those carbohydrates will be simply used to refill those glycogen and uh, if you combine it, let's say, with some heavy resistance training or exercise as well, then that's like uh, that's the perfect scenario because then your muscles are literally going to be simply swallowing up that glucose and it's not going to be used to fill the bloodstream with too much uh, excess blood sugar. And you're going to actually be you, you can actually, you know, maintain ketosis with this kind of a strategy if you if you're not overdoing those carbs. Like mm. I would I would imagine if you would eat maybe like 100 grams of carbs at dinner, then you're practically in ketosis by the next morning. As as long as you combine it with like heavy resistance training, and if you're very insulin sensitive. I see. Okay, so basically, I can get away with some carbohydrates if I'm yeah, yeah. exercising while yeah. I do it. It also activates the GLUT4 uh, receptor on. On, on cells right, and basically right, yeah. shuffles that into muscle growth instead of uh, stores it somewhere. Yeah, mm. so yeah, it's basically like a backdoor in the sense that uh, it's 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 almost like empty calories. If you're very if your muscle glycogen are completely depleted, then they can fill up to like a few hundred grams of carbs. And if you're doing like a cyclical keto diet, for instance, like cycling between one week of ketosis and then having like one day of carbs, then uh, Practically, you can consume up to like 300 to 500 grams of carbs and still stay keto like for the next day. I've, I've experimented with this kind of carb, carb backloading and carb night strategies and I've, in the past. And uh, I've, I've definitely noticed that it doesn't affect your keto adaptation in the long term. I see. Um, what kind of ways do you use to measure and figure out if you are in ketosis? Uh Usually, I use the uh, blood ketones, where they both of my I, I want to know both my blood glucose and my blood ketones because the urine strips they're not that good or they don't they don't indicate like real ketosis because if your urine registers high amounts of ketone bodies, then uh, it means that your body is actually excreting them instead of instead of you know using them for energy, and uh, the the problem with like blood ketones is another thing is that even though you may have like higher levels of ketones then it's not necessarily a good thing it's not necessarily mm -hmm. a indi indicative of better metabolic health or you know that you're burning more fat you know after after a 
after after a few years of doing keto, then I've, I've noticed that my ketones don't get that high unless I'm like fasting for several days in a row. And uh, usually my ketones on a daily basis are somewhere like uh, 1.2, 1.5 millimoles at the most. Uh, mm. Because of, because I feel like if I'm very physically active as well, I'm, I'm quite keto adapted, then uh, it's simply a matter of that my body's uh, using those ketones for energy rather than storing them in the bloodstream because if during higher periods of inactivity like sitting down or yeah sleeping then the ketones may actually rise more because you're not putting them into fuel or you're not using them off so physical exercise itself may actually lower ketones because of the release of glycogen and it's going to balance itself out if you're if you have a higher levels of glu glucose in the bloodstream then you're going to have like less ketones and vice versa oh so i see okay uh only what strategies do you use to kind of track and figure out if you're in ketosis yeah sim mentioned uh probably two of the most popular methods which is the blood tracking and, uh, and the urine strips but uh, i measure uh, my breath acetone levels every morning and every evening so uh, if you do it like properly and you, you do it the same time every day, every time, it's going to really uh, tell you about the state of ketosis. But as, as with the thing uh, on blood ketones or, or urine ketones, if you're becoming more effective on that, you're going to get a little lower. I actually mm -hmm. took a photo of it, of it so you can show it in the screen. I will share it you on the Slack Okay, let's let's take a look at your results and then look at yeah. The, so uh, I can explain a little bit about this. So, but basically, I began uh, implementing the ketogenic diet at, at the beginning of this year or a few days back in two thousand seven uh, seventeen. So you can see that the um, ketone levels were pretty low at the beginning, and then uh, let's say after around two and a half or three weeks uh, <clears throat> you see uh, the higher amounts like around 80 uh, acetone or bridge ketones particles and then it gets a little lower then i uh it, it it's about to settle around uh i don't know how, how would i say put it like two twenty 20 to 30 like nutritional keto ketone range after about three months so or two and a half months so th this is describing how uh, becoming stage two keto adapted has been working out for me and, and now it's been like fluctuating between morning levels of of around uh, 10 to 20 and evening levels of around 20 to 30 uh, points or particles per per the measurement so this really gives a good uh picture of, of the ketone production and uh, what I noticed the lower it gets uh, the more fasted I usually am so the ketones are even more in use but I haven't actually dropped out of ketosis uh, at any time in this four month period uh, even though I've been eating carbohydrates like 100 grams or 100, 150 grams uh every every now and then maybe once a week or so so yeah. it's it's pretty pretty do you have like yeah. do you have like maybe um some correlating or comparison data about you know like bhp levels as well because it would be interesting to see how do those bhp levels uh, reflect in the acetones 
Uh, unfortunately, I don't have. Uh, I haven't gone in, into blood measuring, but uh, yeah, yeah, because I, I would think I would think like because the BHB, the beta hydroxybutyrate ketone body, that's that's the main one that is used by the brain and muscles mm. after becoming keto adapted. So acetone is like the byproduct of keto metabolism yeah. almost. Yeah, so, it comes comes through the lungs. So it's uh, it's actually been shown that uh, in a few research that acetone levels are uh, are indicative of the rate of fat loss. So mm. I, I can take that study out of somewhere, but I, I think there there will be some confounding factors in that. But yeah, that's that's my my makes sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense because the BHP would be used for energy by the brain. And acetone is actually, and that's that. That would be more acetone would be more accurate way of showing like true yeah. state of ketosis. Yeah, mm. and and uh, to my reflecting my experience, I've been shedding body fat, like pure fat, of like about five to six kilos. At the same time, I've been putting on muscle around two kilos. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. So you can really like. So you, with butter, so, so you can <laughs> you can you can grow muscle and lose fat simultaneously. That was supposed to be impossible. Uh, here is, yeah. by the way, the device how the keto ketonic stick looks like. So you're breathing into it, and then you get the results uh, in an app or a website. And uh, you have to learn the right kind of technique how to breathe into mm -hmm. it because otherwise um, your results might be a bit inaccurate. Um, there is another device in the U.S. market called Level, and Level uh, also has this calibration, um, uh, I, I guess, some kind of calibration liquids or something that I use to calibrate the the the, the um, acetone measurement so that you get more accurate results. And this is uh, available only on the U.S. market uh, right now. And obviously, then there is all these finger prick tests, and you can look at your blood blood levels. And there are some people who have done uh, analysis on these on the internet uh, on this uh, accuracy of different devices. And um, seems seems like um, the the level uh, will be even more accurate than uh, ketonics. But when you're looking at your results, if you are doing these measurements uh, on a constant basis and you get those results um, over time, then you see the trend, and the trend line is probably very accurate. Yeah, uh, that's that's the most impo important and most interesting this thing to see, the long-term like uh, mm. changes and, and the trends. So, uh, And then you can uh, make conclusions about how adapted you are and uh, on the base of your like feelings. And for example, today I haven't really eaten anything i've been just drinking chaga chaga tea and uh, mm. some coffee so it's it's really easy to be in in the state of ketosis and have like a constant energy so yeah. one 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 thing i would uh, elevate here that if you got if you start feeling a little bit of sluggish or or like tired then just uh, taking a little bit of salt will like immediately turn that off yeah, yeah. Most of most of the problem with keto flu and uh, feeling sluggish and on on a low carb diet has to do with electrolyte imbalances and uh, not getting yeah. enough sodium and potassium. 
Uh, and also, like it's, I feel like it's important to not get stuck with or not get caught up with the numbers. Like the, everyone says, that don't go chasing ketones. You know, you want the results. You don't want the ketones. You know, unless you're doing some sort of a real scientific study. An average person there, if you're doing keto, then they mostly simply want to either lose some weight, gain the cognitive benefits or the metabolic health benefits. So yeah, as long as you're feeling fine, as long as your biomarkers are also you know, within an optimal range, then you don't have to be paying that attention to or whether or not I'm, I'm in deep ketosis or or if I get kicked out of because of it, some if you're accidentally eating some a little bit more carbs or, you know, these ketone levels, they fluctuate during the day mo a lot. You know, if you get stressed out because of something or anxious or if you just worked out intensely, then you may experience a completely different results from your ketones so it's it's like the long-term matters like over the course mm. of several weeks and uh, months even there is yeah. a question there's a question on the chat about the role of uh, water like liquids in in all of this like do you have anything to elaborate on this uh well basically like uh the, the rationale is that if you are going on a keto diet then your kidneys are going to retain less water and you're going to flush out a lot of the water weight that that insulin is keeping in check in store in your body so in so doing you're going to also maybe potentially lose some electrolytes and minerals and that's why it's important to supplement some more extra salt and the other electrolytes mm. in in your diet but at the same time it's not a good idea to overhydrate yourself either because if you're drinking a lot of water, then you're naturally going to be flushing out more electrolytes. So it's a vicious cycle in the sense that you don't want to be drinking water to the point of where you're going to the bathroom every hour. Or if, you're, if your urine is you know, crystal clear, it has to be slightly yellowish in a sense that it's, it's overhydration is also like very, very common because it can actually lead to muscle cramps and more fatigue. So what I do is drink when you're thirsty. That's a good indicator because... You, your body is very, very well adapted to actually manufacturing its own water from from the body fat, from burning body fat as well. So, right, drink when you're thirsty. That's the best advice I can give. Mm. So, taking some some salt uh, when you drink yeah. might be a good idea. Um, I mean, that sounds like completely opposite of everything that we have been taught. You know, you should avoid too much salt. You should avoid butter and all these things. Now you're saying that you should take all of those at once to feel amazing and you know be healthier and you know lose some of that fat uh cool so kirsten thank you so much for that question if there's any more questions we would love to hear more of those um uh, nurse is mentioning that she likes to use urine strips uh do you have by the way any opinion on kind of comparing urine strips to to blood uh measurements or the acetone level measurements from breath I think like yeah, urine strips aren't aren't the best ones, yeah, because you're basically you you may be producing ketones. It may show you that uh, you're you're breaking down some of that liver glycogen, but at the same time, it's not gonna tell you that you're you know burning or that you have switched over to a fat burning metabolism in a sense that uh, you're you're simply excreting them, and it actually may be a bad sign because your liver your your body is kind of resisting resisting those ketones so i would suggest simply to try to get the blood ketones because it, it may be better in, it, it's it's a much more in it's more indicative of your body using those ketones actually rather than simply excreting them mm. 
Um, there is also this term keto flu that is associated with the loss of electrolytes. So can you elaborate a little bit on that one? Yeah, definitely. Keto flu is, is, is the biggest reasons why people fail and they feel tired and sluggish. And electrolytes are definitely the biggest reasons for that. And usually when the RDA, the daily recommended intake of sodium, is somewhere around... Uh, 2000 milligrams which is you know half a teaspoon or one teaspoon of uh, salt then on a keto diet or a low carb diet you actually need quite a bit more i usually try to aim for maybe like 3000 to 5000 milligrams of sodium which is like two to three teaspoons of salt and uh, that's basically gonna replenish your electrolytes it's going to actually promote blood flow vasodilation in your muscles as well and it it can be like a it can supplement your, you know, exercise performance as well, as well. It can improve your performance and uh, definitely it's, it makes food tastier as well. So salt is definitely something that can fix the keto flu. And in general, you can also take, you know, these different uh, electrolyte supplements, maybe like potassium and uh, I don't know, depends on the supplement, but it has to be like very keto keto friendly in a sense that it, it won't have these other artificial ingredients and uh flavorings that may potentially spike your insulin mm. Mm. i have two perfect solutions if you're like going into ketogenic diet going into ketosis uh what i used uh when when i was like in the first phase i just ate some cucumber has a lot of potassium, a lot, mm. a lot of uh, like water content and some fiber and, mm. and then uh, some good quality salt. And it's like immediately stops everything. The cucumber is, it's, it's amazing. It's actually also very calming to your nervous system. So you can think if you take yeah. it like pickles, if you eat the pickles, then uh, yeah. you're going to get like a double combo. You're going to yeah. get the tons of sodium and vinegar and you're going to get the potassium from cucumbers. So yeah, drink that's some. Like, that's <laughs> even better, even better. <laughs> yeah, one, of my, one of my own favorites is to, you know, snack on some avocados also. That's, that's kind of... Uh, yeah. yeah, avocados uh, high, very high in potassium and also in fat. So avocado, if you think about that as a ketogenic food it's probably the perfect choice with some mineral salt on, on it so it's it's good good to go and yeah. if you if you're not like totally adjusted into intermittent fasting you can like eat eat an avocado if you feel hungry and some salt and that's like a very good bridge into more longer periods of intermittent fasting a little applause on that one yeah yeah so a question uh, about, uh, this is from the chat also, Ilari Hosea is asking a uh, second question, like uh, how about sports and low carb and ketogenic diet? How easy is that? I mean, that's a million dollar question. Like a lot of people are saying that uh, when it comes to this fat adaptation and ketogenic diet, that it doesn't go very well with endurance training or so on because your muscles need the gly- glycogen. Is that right? Well... It depends on what kind of training you're doing. For instance, when we look at like the different, what kind of fuel your body uses at different intensities, then uh, at lower intensities like steady state cardio and running and uh, jogging or even simply walking, laying around, then you're burning most of, mostly you're burning fat even on a high carb diet. 
and uh, you only you only need glycogen at higher intensities like sprinting lifting weights and you know crossfit and stuff like that so if you are like if you are exercising so intensely that you're burning through all of your glycogen stores then it's indeed a good idea to maybe add in a few carbs into your diet some in some strategic ways but in general after you become keto adapted then you actually raise the ceiling at which you can burn body fat uh, for fuel as well and uh, a study was done by Jeff Pollack and Stephen Finney where they show that these ultra endurance athletes after about six months or so of keto adaptation they were able to burn fat as a as a primary fuel source even at the intensities of 80 percent and above so, mm. you know they they improve their ability, their body's ability to to burn fat at higher intensities. So it sh- it comes to show that, you know, you do indeed need glycogen and you do need glucose. But it's but if you become keto adapted, then you're less you're you 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 become more glucose sparing and uh, you're gonna burn less glycogen during exercise in total. But uh, in, in in general, like the best sports for keto are actually like these uh, endurance sports or if you're doing like marathon running or if you're doing regular aerobic cardio then uh, that's the best the best fuel for that is probably yeah like a really good keto diet because you want to be in this fat burning state where you have constant and stable levels of energy and uh, even like stuff like powerlifting and uh, weightlifting and calisthenics i myself i'm doing mostly like strength training resistance training and uh, i'm still eating keto and I don't feel the need to – I don't see, like, a lack of performance if, if I don't eat carbohydrates. You know, your body can actually produce glucose from fat, fatty acids as well, and it can, it can be used to replenish muscle glycogen with fatty acid molecules. And, uh, and, and it also has to be, like, very – in order for your body to actually deplete your muscle glycogen, it has to be very intense. You have to be in the gym for hours and really grinding out those reps – you know that, that's mm. that's a very your body is very capable of converting all of those different fuel sources back into into energy right so that's quite unlikely for many athletes out there who are more recreational than kind of yeah. putting all in <clears throat> so what you are saying basically is that if you do ketosis right that you're actually getting yourself keto adapted it will work for you and if you only try it out like you know one or two days a week you decide to go completely fat-based uh, and then try exercise it's not going to show uh, a drastic result so you really have to have the patience to to kind of get fat adapted is that what you're saying yeah all, i, all, I, all I could yeah. probably implement or, or uh, like uh, reflect on this so i i've been experimenting this of course on myself and i have this certain uh, benchmark like uh, trainings and and uh, like crossfit type of training so actually my performance has got gotten better that might be due to uh, some fat loss and, and more being more metabolically effective uh, but as seems say the best uh, way to use uh, ketosis is for of course endurance because you're burning mostly fat but I can show you a few studies that have been done on crossfitters actually so they have uh, like measured uh, yeah wait a, wait a second I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna throw in this thing here Oh, not that one. Let's see. Ooh, sorry. Here we go. <laughs> okay. 
Oli, go ahead. Research of the Research week. Research of the week. Let's see. Desktop. Powered by ketones. Yes. So uh, this is actually in Finnish, but let's see. There's this question if you can uh, do uh, exercise in ketosis. So here are like two studies. Uh, the first one is released uh, or published on 2017, a low-carbohydrate ketogenic diet combined with six weeks of CrossFit training improves body composition and performance. So as you can see from this study, this has... Um, They had 27 non-elite CrossFit jobs that uh, they um, were randomized into like control group or low-carb ketogenic diet group. And the conclusions were that our data show that uh, LCKD combined with six weeks of CrossFit training can lead to significant decreases in body fat percentage, uh, fat mass, weight, and body mass index while maintaining lean body mass and improving actually improving performance so the, so this was this was like uh the first or was it the second one this was uh, released in uh well I, it was the same year as the second uh study on the right what do they mean by like improved performance uh yeah so there's um let's see from here the performance was uh in in the metcons and also in the strength type of uh, lifts so there was no like no significant difference a slightly better performance in the ketogenic diet group and this other study showed also that it was a 12 week ketogenic diet while cross training uh, there was uh, but improves in body composition without negatively impacting muscle mass and or aerobic anaerobic or strength performance so this study found out that there was there were no uh, performance benefits but there were no like disadvantages hmm. but your body composition got like re- really significantly better so uh, it was done can, like in non elite athletes as well like there yeah, were re- recreation yeah recreational athletes non non elites so this was like basically your uh basic crossfitter so uh, and these these kind of uh, studies are coming like uh, mushrooms in in the rain so <laughs> <laughs> i think like w- when it comes to crossfit then uh, if you are doing doing it on a keto diet then uh, you're simply burning through though you're not burning that like gly- that much glycogen on crossfit either because Uh, your your body can, like I mentioned, your body, your your fatty acid molecules can be converted back into glucose, and uh, th- those can be replenished with uh, muscle glycogen. But with CrossFit, it may be simply that if you are doing it very intensely or if you're doing it very frequently, then it may lead to simply an, a situation where you're simply overtaxing your body. And I would imagine if you are like a non-athlete, non-elite athlete. Mm. then you your body you're not exercising that frequently or you're not you're not doing it that often where you would actually need to replenish your muscle glycogen yeah. that fast yeah. because it, you don't even need, you don't even need to be eating anything at all for your muscle glycogen to replenish refill itself you can like muscle glycogen tends to refill itself maybe within like 24 to 36 hours and it's back full again simply because of your body fat being converted into glycogen 
yeah you're, you're like right on point on this uh if you're like elite athlete then i wouldn't go like uh just full ketogenic i would go with a targeted ketogenic mm, and, yeah. and Im implementing the carbohydrates mm -hmm. around the workout but quite rare of us are like elite athletes who train two to three times per day but many crossfitters actually are who who are like training competing for competitions so for those i wouldn't go like just pure ketogenic but targeted ketogenic diet and yeah. play with that yeah you need to only you need to consume some carbohydrates to replenish your glycogen only if you exercise maybe like twice a day or something like that yeah so. exactly and and only if the workouts have been like really exhaustive and really like uh, glycogen storage draining yeah and i've been doing like powerlifting and things like that strength training on a keto diet i've done like in the in last year i did you know like the squat everyday challenge for an entire month i did heavy squats for an entire month and i didn't need you know to consume some extra carbohydrates to replenish my glycogen and yeah because I, because if you're doing like powerlifting or strength training then you're only burning glycogen only like for a few just a few repetitions they're, they're not that taxing to your glycogen mm. stores so yeah, there's exactly. most of the time you're simply resting yeah and if you think about the energy systems that your body is using while powerlifting or or even olympic lifting it's it's mainly atp and some phosphagen system and rarely it goes into glycogen so mm. all, only with the higher reps yeah and at the same I, you mentioned that this this study was done on crossfit but i also recall another study done on elite level gymnasts and uh, they also went on a low carb diet for a few few weeks and they actually increased their lean body mass burned some body fat and they actually gained strength as well so it comes mm. to show that if, even in these elite sports or where gymnastics is one of the toughest sports in the world and they train hours every day so they're still able to perform on a low carb keto diet hmm. yeah and, uh, actually as you said there has been like uh, many athletes going into that and they say that they perform even better so it's hmm. uh, probably has to do with the easier body composition management and uh, yeah, a lot, lot easier to lose weight if you're in a weight class uh, sport there is a, there's a comment from Stefan Obersberg that he ran his half marathon faster than ever after three months on a ketogenic diet. So there you have it. Anyone yeah, out there who is no kind of skeptical that. about it. Uh, so, so definitely you can run on fats. And I know people who are into mountain climbing. Uh, there is this, this one, one mountain climber from Finland, and he said that the, the the most efficient fuel to carry with you is actually fat and uh, your body uh, fat. <laughs> yeah, your own body fat, but, but also fat also you can you can pack your bag full of uh, um, just the highest uh, fat uh, based foods, and that will give you much more energy for such an endurance feat like climbing a mountain. And you definitely don't, don't want to carry like huge amounts of food with you, so. So yeah, one of one of the yeah. one of these Finnish guys, he, I, Sami Inkinen, I, I think his yeah. name was. He actually yeah. rode across the Pacific Ocean from from California to Hawaii on a fat burning uh, metabolism. So definitely, you don't. It's it's very more much more efficient to do these long endurance races in in a state of ketosis. 
Absolutely. And one super interesting thing about uh, Sami Inc. specifically is that they, um, they, they founded this company called Virta in, in US and Virta has been reversing type 2 diabetes with ketogenic diet specifically. And uh, that, that's quite drastic. And um, when, it, when it comes to their protocol, it's like they're combining dietary interventions with some blood work. And so they're making sure that people are staying in ketosis and that they're not you know, getting into any, any issues on, on that level. And they're also coaching them and um, having uh, frequent uh, discussions and checkups. And, and seems like that's, that's the recipe for someone who is uh, all, almost insulin resistant to, to reverse uh, perhaps some of the issues uh, related to it. And um, actually, I can show some of the results. I have them right here uh, from the Virta Virta program. So let's take a look at this one. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. So here is some of the results from their clinical study on, on their focus group. I don't remember how many patients were enrolled in this one, maybe a hundred or so. And uh, this is one year result. So they were able to reduce a combined marker for insulin resistance called HOMA IR by 55%. And the body weight went down by 12%. And also the inflammatory biomarkers, uh, uh, high sensitivity C-reactive protein uh, went down. And um, is there a homocysteine here? No. There is um, also, if you look at the, uh, the long-term plastic, uh, long-term fasting blood glucose HbA1c that's also getting reduced by 1.3 percent. So, and um, for anyone who is kind of pre-diabetic uh, or diabetic is is the fact that they were able to reduce the amount of diabetes medication. I think that's huge. And I'm not surprised yeah. why they got like $45 million to continue this work. Yeah, that's amazing. Every, everyone who has like these blood sugar problems or diabetes or insulin resistance, then I think they should be put on a low-carb keto diet and they should actually start doing some intermittent fasting as well because those are the one of the easiest ways of lowering blood sugar and uh, reversing insulin resistance. So definitely something, you know, like Dr. Jason Fong has written many books about it and he basically lays it out very simplistically that, you know, the key is insulin and and if you are eating high amounts of carbohydrates all day, every day, then you're basically feeding the fire with more gasoline in a sense. Right. So uh, I think we're getting close to the end of this. There's going to be more about this topic at the Barker Summit that is coming along 18th of May. Uh, in Stockholm, and there is a live stream available if you if, if people want to follow on. So, Seem, if people want to learn more about ketogenic diet, where where can they find more information about this? Well, basically, I have many videos about it on YouTube under the channel Seamland. My website is also seamland.com, where I write articles about you know nutrition, ketosis, fasting, biohacking, and becoming superhuman in general but i also have a few books on amazon uh under under the, under the titles of you know keto bodybuilding keto fasting and uh, things like that so you can check it out right and only 
Olli, like uh, you also wrote something about this in the uh, Biogras Handbook on Work. Uh, the chapter yeah. actually came out today, so if anyone's interested, take a look at it. Yeah, there's like basic um, explanation what exactly is ketosis, what's happening in the metabolic, what's happening in inside the mitochondria, and uh, how you can implement intermittent fasting and how it like affects your circadian rhythms and like basic stuff that you need to know to understand why would you do this, why would you want to go into ketosis, why would you implement intermittent fasting into your workday. So that's also in the work chapter. Um, amazing. So thank you very much, Oli, and thank you very much, Steve, for taking part into this. Thanks. Yeah. And what what was it? Stay empowered, stay on butter. Stay ketotic, stay empowered. <laughs> amazing. Stay. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Hi. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much. I'm going to play the the editing trailer here and, and we get to go do whatever we need for the rest of the day uh yeah let's 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 kick on it um so seamland was our guest today uh if you want to learn more about seam go to his youtube channel and uh he's he's pretty amazing for his age he's he's achieved a lot in terms of understanding what's going on in the human body and the youtube channel is amazing and he has Excellent stage presence also. Uh, check out biohackersummit.com. We have over there um, information about our upcoming event. The program looks absolutely amazing. Uh, I can show it very quickly. So what do we have here? We have um, peak performance is one of the tracks that we're focusing on. That's where Seamland is going to be talking about becoming anti-fragile with ketogenic diet. There's also Martina Johansson, another specialist on the ketogenic diet, uh, talking about the biochemistry of optimizing productivity. We have Peter Yosten talking about the coming era of superhumans. In the brain optimization section, we have Dr. Andrew Hill coming from the US. He's one of the biggest experts on neurofeedback and QEEG. I'm going to get my brain mapped. He's running a workshop there. If you want to really map your brain and see what's wrong and fix it. Uh, he's the man, and he's very rarely in Europe, so that's a rare opportunity. That's going to be on Monday, 21st of May. More information on the Bikersound website. And then we have, looking at the optimal, optimal recovery, we have Hannu Kinnunen from Aura. The Aura is over there showing their latest ring. He's talking about chronotypes and optimal bedtime. We're going to be having a discussion, a Bikers live show with him on Monday. And only personal is going to be diving deep into nutrients for stress management. We just wrote a book on biohacking stress in Finnish language. That's coming out next year in English, but we're going to be sharing some of the findings in that session. And Greg Potter, who was our guest re previously, is hacking your way to better sleep and life and giving you all the tips that you want to, want to see there. In the health optimization section, we have a bunch of 10-minute presentations from really interesting companies showing the latest products and technologies, and we will finish with exponential biohacking, diving deep into the exponential nature of uh, um, what what implications these will have on humanity, but also uh, in in terms of how this industry is being built. I mean, biohacking is growing, growing in uh, in in force. Absolutely, it's it's getting big, it's getting huge, and. Um, we see that every year there is more and more cool companies, cool people working in this field, getting getting deep into the knowledge, sharing what they know. 
And uh, we have also some announcements coming up also about upcoming Biker Summit events. If you can make this one, you can watch the live stream. But uh, later in um, October, we are, we are having an event in Toronto. So uh, there's going to be more information on, on that one specifically. But with that, um, you know, follow us on Facebook and YouTube and sign up to the newsletter at Biker, uh, Biker's uh, Handbook um, channel. And uh, I wish you a pretty amazing rest of the week. It's Mother's Day coming along this Sunday in Finland at least. So I wish you all good.